Another episode of Not Your Average Operator. Me, Paul Miller, McFadden. I've got my two boys, Raf and Mike. Or is it Ralph? <laughs> I was really sure anymore. It's, I feel like I don't know where I stand in anything in the universe. I don't know about gravity equals MC squared. I've only known him as Raf and now he's Ralph. <laughs> you know, I technically, I, I really like the name Ralph. So if, if everybody looks up, just take two seconds, get on your phone. Look in like gifts or whatever on Google and look look up Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons of the kid that's like picking his nose, like pick a good one, you know, like that's that's Ralph or Ralph or whatever. He's like the little special kid. I more thought he was Ralph Malf. Ralph Malf from like my childhood. We were watching uh, old reruns of Happy Days <laughs> on that redheaded kid. I thought that's who I'm picking. I thought Facebook blocked all Australians. From any sort of no, no, any no. social media, where did that? How, how'd you slip? How did you slip through the cracks? Because I read the news, Mike. I snuck through. Because I'm an adult. Snuck through. I'm adulting. I'm learning. <laughs> Got it, <laughs> Ralph. So how you been, Ralph? I'm gonna wait for the appropriate name and title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, how about you, Mike? How you going? <laughs> I'm fine, man. Is uh, finished up a week of training. It was cold. It was wet. Standard. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I, I'm just like I said, you know, I talked about it, but I'm just getting ready to uh, take some R and R with some buddies and and head out, you know, Midwest and get some skiing in and do some fun stuff. So, but uh, yeah, another grateful week. Can't complain, man. You know. Yeah. I'm looking ahead to trying to get uh, back to Australia to see family this year so in a couple of months now getting flights booked and that's just a bit of a nightmare getting in there with the super expensive flies got quarantine limits and anyway it's a it's a whole thing but i want to get back there and see mum otherwise it'll it'll be a couple of years soon before i've seen her that's no good so we're uh it's a reasonably somber note that we're on and we're joined by a a mate uh also in spokane we got Casey. How you going there, Casey? Hey, Melon. I'm yep. I'm here, man. It's uh, weird times, but I'm here. Strange days. And as um, like the audience is going to be aware, they've, they've had to listen to the intro and the show notes, so they'll know why we've got you on. And uh, first, I just want to say, you know, hats off to you for uh, reaching out to the three of us. You know, like we really consider ourselves to be uh people that you can talk to about anything and uh you know that we're really available to you just as as mates going through a very very hard time and um i know that you had the thought that this topic or this recent experience you've had could be something could really help our audience you know like our our people out there are exposed to these experiences and it's it's a hard time man it's a freaking hard time and you know, you've, you've got a lot to offer. Um, and it's a, it's a topic that comes up. And so we want to be respectful and we want to be careful about how we approach the conversation. But, you know, we just really, we, we really appreciate you putting your hand up to come on at this time and just to share your experience, you know, because 
there's lots of other people who have this kind of experience and it's very, very hard to process. And uh, the three of us have all gone through something similar. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys kind of know me well enough now. It's, you know, one team, one fight, no matter what color your uh, uniform was. It's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's almost the, uh, the normal nowadays. Um, but in, in my eyes, and I know in Raf's eyes and your guys' is it's shit needs to stop. Um, so let's, uh, yeah, see where it goes. So, you know, I, I know the three of us all, all aware and, and kind of what happened, man. So would you kind of, would you like to start off just by kind of telling like who your buddy was and like kind of the lead up, like how you knew each other and kind of the, you know, the, the storyline? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just overall, like, right, we, uh, we met there at Camp Lejeune when we kind of came out of MOS school and, um, uh, we got connected that way. And, you know, for a while there kind of just ran in different crowds because you're still close with the guys you had in, in school and we were different classes and stuff, but then, uh, um, just clicked it off. I don't even remember how, but just clicked it off, started hanging out outside of work and whatever. And, um, there was always one thing about Sean and is that dude just, man, he had fun no matter, no matter what it was, where we're doing, what we're doing. It was, life was fun. Uh, I think Raph knows the story about me drinking a hundred shots of Jameson and uh, winning the green jacket in Wilmington, North Carolina. That was because I had Sean next to me. Uh, so, you know, it's like, Dude, just, yeah, we just had a lot of fun all the time, no matter what. And my wife uh, absolutely hated the guy, right? Because she would call, you know, West Coast time and East Coast time. So she would call when she had it heard from me at like midnight. It's because I was passed out in the car and uh, or riding a mechanical bull with a broken arm and then break my other hand. And because of Sean, like the dude just had fun. And then, uh, you know, just always stayed close. Uh, and when we got out, uh, he moved to Texas with a couple of buddies and, uh, I came back to Spokane obviously and got married and him and a couple other guys flew up for the wedding and, and, uh, we just started it like that. Uh, once we got out and we, you know, kind of would talk a week and then it turned into a month and, you know, kind of seemed like every month at least we would, we would talk and stay connected and, uh, from afar. Um, yeah, just, I mean, one of those guys that really truly turned into a brother, right? We all call each other brothers from military life, but I mean, there was nothing that guy knew, didn't know about me. I didn't know about him. And, um, yeah. So you said something right there that really pinged with me, man, because personal experience with, with, within my career, is what does being a brother mean like there's a lot of definitions with that but what does being a brother mean to you and, and i'd like all of us to try to like kind of talk about this you know like a different aspect because there's a big point i want to bring up but i'm just curious to hear what being a brother means in the military 
I mean, you got your, your standard, right? Like no matter what you got each other's backs, um, there, there's no judgment. Um, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I kind of drawn blanks over this last week, but it's just like, just a dude. I mean, somebody that you don't have to freaking doubt, uh, or you have the doubt in your mind that he's going an opposite way. He's just always, uh, always on the same page. All right. What about, what about you, Raph? What, what, what do you think? I mean, it, it's really no different than what Casey said. Now, when I think about my closest friends, you know, I, we talk about the brotherhood. These are men that I could, and even women. I mean, there's, there's, so I've had the privilege to be around and serve with some really, really strong women um, that I know that I could literally pick up the phone and, and call and say, I, I need help. You know, so it's, it's the people that I'm willing to be the most vulnerable with, because I know, like you said, there's zero judgment and we've been through enough to know that the job, that the love that we have for each other is, is mutual. It's beneficial. And it's, you know, it's, it's there to help me through whatever I need to and, the, and vice versa. And we're talking any call in the middle of the night, I don't care where you're at in the world. You know, if I can, if I can find a ticket to get there, I'm going to get there, you know, depending on how dire the situation is. Um, so when I, when I think of the brotherhood, when I think about people that I genuinely love and respect and would do anything for me, you know, it's people you would take a bullet for without even thinking about it. Okay. How about you, Mel? Yeah, I reckon there's a special connection you get with the people, especially when you've trained with them, like um, Casey's talking about going through mosque school and those people, we have those early experiences together. You know, you're sort of coming of age, you're, you're leaving home or whatever it is that you're going through that transition period together. You get that super, super, super tight connection. And that's, it's designed, the training is designed to engender that connection, right? And the same thing then with people you're on a squadron or a regiment or a battalion with, and especially when you deploy and you've had that, you've had an experience that you've shared there that is extremely unusual and you have an opportunity to connect and, you know, you know everything about them, you know, about their brothers and sisters and their parents and where they're from and, and they know the same thing about you. And, and I really like Raph's piece there with, um, you know, that the, it's the sisters and the brothers. It's not just guys, that's for sure. And you've got a team with a, a mission. There's the focus to the connection that you have. So you're all pushing in the same direction on something really important. And it's important for all of you. And yeah, like Raph said, I, you know, there's, I don't think there's, a, there's, a, there's another group that just would actually call each other at 2am or would actually go on a flight. Or we'd just do whatever was needed to, uh, you know, when the flag goes up, you take that, you just take that call differently than you would your other mates. There are also people that you're choosing to sort of uh, bring into your life as well. They're not like childhood friends that were sort of there all along. You've had an experience as adults and you've, you've, you've all made the same decision to, to go and put on a uniform and then that that's going to be a really uniting experience rather than just people that went to the same school. 
not to put down those friendships because I've got really close friends there. You know, I, I agree with all three of you with everything you said. Um, yeah, you, you guys said it. The point that I want to bring up with this is everything that you guys have mentioned has come from the military that we've been through training together. It's just like, Hey, if I came to you guys and I was like, Hey, I'm going into, into battle and I need the three of you to, to follow me. And I need you to, we're going into a gunfight and it's not, it's going to be tough. It's going to be bad. The brotherhood that we would have would be like, I'm there. Like no question. What do you need? What can I do for you? Whatever. That's training operations, whatever. Now the point that I want to make, because this has happened many, many, many times that I've seen in my career. I was actually part of this slightly. Okay. And it's pride and ego, but what happens when one of those guys is hurting inside emotionally, he's thinking, you know, he's, he's having thoughts about harming himself. It's relationship stuff. He is in a dark, dark place for whatever reason. And for whatever, he can be at work with his, his brothers, right? You call them brothers. But what is the disconnect where he can't stand up in front of his brothers that he was in combat with and go, brothers, I am hurting. I am broken. I am lost. I am, I am, I have no idea what to do. I'm drinking myself to death. I can't sleep, you know, just X, Y, and Z. It's, hey, brother, you good? Yeah, I'm fine, bro. That's the answer. It's always, yep, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm here. Whether that's dedication to the team and you don't want to be a distraction or whatever it might be, but it's more common than anything to have that quick one-liner like, yeah, bro, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm, you know, you can't break me. I'm made out of steel. And honestly, it's such bullshit because I've been there. I know you guys have been there. We've all broke. We've all had down days. And to really be a brother to me is inside of work, outside of work. You can come to me with your worst day, whether it's on a mission, whether it's training, whether it's family, whether it's friends. I am here for all aspects of your life to listen, to understand, to support, to help make you better. It, it's, always, it's always the... The pride, the military, yes, we're Marines, yes, we're special forces, we're pilots, and it's the bravada bullshit. But then when it gets to the real nitty-gritty stuff of life, people fade away. It's weak to talk about that. You're weak because you ask for help. It's weak because you're talking to a psych and you're not helping the team because you're in you're in counseling for three weeks. You know, like what kind of environment is that? If you're my brother. Why would you call me weak? Why would you call me that when I'm literally opening my life to you and asking for help because I want to get healthy or I want to get fixed. I want my friend to get fixed and be part of this team still because, because I love you guys and I want to be a positive, you know, I just think we just too many times people get written off. Yeah. Melon. I feel, I feel like, there's um, clearly pride and, and uh, you know, not wanting to appear weak is a big deal. And this is also an area where people still, there's a, a massive disconnect compared to like a broken arm or, a, you know, a series of bullet holes in your, in your shoulder and, and how we feel like we're treated by our peers or the organization. 
And yet I think all of us know that um, like perhaps we would find it hard to reach out, but we would really want those friends of ours who are suffering to reach out to us. And yet we think that if we're the one reaching out, that that's a, that's a totally different story. Do you know, like, like if I pictured myself in that state, like some of my mates, you know, I would find it hard to pick up the phone. And yet I really wish they picked up the phone to me and I would have been, uh, you know, I would have been doing my best for them. So, yeah, you nailed it, Melon. I mean, it's just that genuine want. Like, why wouldn't I want to help you, man? Like, just talk to me. Just reach out to me. It's not hard. Or maybe I need to call you like twice a week and just be like, hey, how's it going? Like, you need to talk, man. I just wanted to check on you. I know I talked about my buddy Jimmy before he called me randomly. Hey. I just, I just felt like I needed to call you brother. Like, and he meant it. Um, but I, w- I kind of want to get into the next thing. So like, we're talking about these things and it's like, man, I need help. Or, you know, these guys that, you know, something's going on, but they don't want to open up. They don't want to talk. So like Casey, what for your buddy looking, looking at it now with what happened, what were maybe some signs, some symptoms, some some different things that was going on in his life that maybe you saw, that maybe other people saw, that were like red flags or, you know, kind of led up to it? Because I've seen a bunch of different ways that I think maybe we can all kind of share some different things that we saw. I mean, <laughs> the sign... <laughs> It's hard. Like every story that we talk about, Sean is the dude like to have fun. The dude like to party, and you know he was in Florida. I'm up here, so we could talk, we could text, we could do whatever. And when we're talking, it's just oh, shit. Sean's being Sean. The dude's drunk again, right? It, it's it wasn't abnormal to talk to him and be like, he's blocked out again. Um, but I think where I hold some regrets and I, I know it was getting too far. As soon as he moved to Florida, his support group was gone from the guys in Texas. He was there by himself with his wife. So he didn't want to ever admit that uh, he didn't have anybody. He had no motivation because he started drinking even more, lost his job as a golf pro. And so then just dove deeper into it. Um, but there was just that disconnect of, I mean, we, we've said it on here that you just got to raise your hand and see or say that you need to, you need help uh, and take your pride out of the way. And on the outside looking in now it's, I wish I would have, I wish we could have literally drove down there and picked him up and taken him somewhere. Because if, if we would have shown up on his doorstep, any one of us five guys that are still close with him, if we would have shown up and said, get your ass in the car, we're going to X, he would say, okay. But when you're on the phone, you don't have that. It's sincere, right? But you don't have that face-to-face and you can't see his eyes truly struggling. And I don't know. I just. <clears throat> yeah. And 
If I could just add, jump in real quick, to be completely fair, and almost to piggyback off what Melon said, and I, Mike, I think even you alluded to it, that um, I think the, the biggest wall, the biggest obstacle for most people, even ourselves, is our ego, right? It's this, we want our friends to reach out to us, but we damn sure know that we have our own issues with reaching out to, to others, right? To our closest friends. And I think it's this, it's the ego, you know, you're telling yourself, you know, I, I've, I've done harder. I've, I've been through harder stuff. I can, I can, this isn't a problem. Like you said, your, your buddy, Sean had, had actually said that he didn't have uh, the problems that he, he did have. And that really just comes down to the ego, which is, and I'm just saying this because I think it's important to understand maybe going forward is that if you have a sense that somebody you care about is having an issue and they're thinking about harming themselves, that maybe instead of just asking, hey, are you good? Ask very pointed, very specific questions, right? Get in, like, do what you can to extract information to, to put it out. Um, and then maybe if you expose it, you know, if you start getting like real answers, you can kind of highlight like, hey, man, you're not okay because you're giving me this answer that, that tells me that, that you're not in a good place. And then maybe just force, like you said, you had a lot of distance between you. So just be like, look, man, a month from now, I'm buying a ticket. We're going to just, we're going to go out and just hang out. You know, sometimes you have to force that environment because like you said, we're all stubborn. We have these egos, this bravado, this armor, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes as uh someone who genuinely cares about your friends and family you have to force the environment you have to create that environment and sometimes that's, that's what they need i mean that's sometimes what i would need right and it's easier said than done i'm not saying this like it's <laughs> like there's some sort of playbook and you just you just do it i mean it's but just listening to the conversations that i know that ego is is a big barrier you know, I, I had a similar thing, just talking like signs and everything for, for mine. Like there was a guy when I was at, when I was a new guy, um, we had, we had a dude that was just, the dude was just tweaking out and he was, I mean, he was a nervous wreck. We're doing um, close quarters combat in, in the house and every, in between each run, he was just coming out like chain smoking, man. And it's just like, I'm around a bunch of healthy dudes and this guy's just outside, just ripping them. And he's pacing and everything else. And it was like, dude, I don't want to use his name, just, to, you know, privacy and, and stuff. But um, you just talk to him and go, hey, hey, man, are you okay? You need to talk. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, yeah, I'm, I just, you know, worked up and just need to think about the run and, you know, whatever. And it was just cover, 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 cover. And then throughout the next couple of weeks, you know, certain guys were coming out. They're like, hey, man, has he been coming up to you just asking you random questions like out of the norm? It's like, what do you mean? He's like, hey, do you need a new helmet? Do you do you want my plate carrier? Like, do you want some of this stuff? Like, I, I don't really need it, you know? And guys are like, no, man, I'm good. Like, I got my own stuff. I appreciate it, though, but thanks. And just thought of it as him being like a nice older guy to kind of mentor you or something. Um, and then he started distancing himself. He wasn't showing up. He'd show up late. He'd show up hungover. He'd show up drunk. And it was like all these little things and just – Again, like like Casey's saying, it's kind of the norm in that sense of like party time. You, you you play hard, you party hard. So it's like you show up and okay, I get it, dude. <laughs> You're having a good time. And then one weekend he didn't 
you know, nobody heard from him. And then the week, three days into the week, hey, man, has anybody heard from this guy? No. Call him. No answer. Nothing. Nobody's heard anything. Well, we're sending three dudes to his house to go to go find him. And sure shit, man. We went there and he was there with a uh, with a rifle, found him in his room, been there a couple of days. And it was just instantly, as soon as we knew that happened, it was just stop, review. Holy shit. Look at all these flags. Look at all these signs. And like, what could we have done better, man? Like, like Casey said, you know, it's just like, man, maybe if we would have just took the time to all come together and grab them and just like talk, it's okay. Like, this is our, this is our circle, brother. <laughs> you know, we talk about the brotherhood. You're in it. Talk, man. It's okay. You know, and it's tough. Go ahead, Casey. Uh, uh, I, it, it's a lot of the things, right? The dude is a happy-go-lucky guy 99% of the time. So you always think, oh, no, he's he's really – he's got it, and he's there. He's fine. And he was always the one that would initiate conversations, right? So he would text you out of the blue. He would call anybody out of the blue and just check on you. And then when I posted it on Facebook, right, you get blasted with what the heck happened to Sean, and, and you – start responding back or answering the phone calls from the guys. And it's like, dude, I just talked to Sean a month ago. He seemed fine. I'm like, well, that's what we all fucking said. Right. But you, you got to look deep. And one of you guys said, it, you got to ask those tough questions on really getting past the surface level bullshit of, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Really? Let's talk about it, dude. And unfortunately it's, it's too late with him, but I mean, I hope I never have to do this again. But anyway, go ahead, Raph. I was just going to say, in order to really approach somebody who's in a, who you think is in a vulnerable state, you have to put yourself in that vulnerable state. So maybe you have to share. Maybe, you know, maybe in order for me to get you to open up, I have to share something about myself that maybe you didn't know that I, <laughs> that would make me vulnerable. And I think that's something difficult that's something a little bit more difficult uh you know it, it's difficult it's 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 easier said than done but sometimes that's enough to I, I can tell you some of the toughest conversations i've ever had with friends that i've genuinely cared about mike you're one of them um i shared stuff with you that i've probably shared with less than three people on this earth and but that but i think the minute i exposed myself then mike immediately knew like oh raf's not kidding he's actually here to listen to me and he then, just told me some of the most intimate things in his life. And then what did I do in turn? You reciprocated in kind. I was like, man, had, you know, if, I, if he could do it and he could open up to me and I'm his brother, then like I felt comfortable where I could say the same right back to. And I did. And we, and a, a day in Spokane, we were out hiking, man. And that's what we talked about. We talked about some deep, intimate stuff that I've only shared with Rat, you know, and that, but that's the whole point, man. It's, it's perfect. It's funny if we were, um, you know, to use like a, a military analogy, like if we were stuck in combat, we would have no problem getting on the radio and requesting fire support or aviation support or whatever it would be, recognizing that we're stuck. Like we, we know that we would do that. We know that these mates of ours would do the same thing and that there'd be no, there'd be no slight. It would just be recognizing that the mission was in a really difficult stage 
and that support was necessary. And that's that we know that that's that's how it works. There is no army of one. And I think, like, we all would want to be the one that they they call. We all would want to be that, you know, Mike coming in in a helicopter to to support that mission, or me being the the guy diverting from a low priority mission to go help out guys in contact. Yet asking for help is the hard part. And I think Raf has really hit something important here that you, you need to share your own hard times and you need to share. And, and I really think that there's something in what you said there, Raf, around putting yourself in a vulnerable state that then the walls are down and that person knows that, you know, you are effectively requesting help from them. And they then know that that's totally okay. That's inside the relationship now. That's, you've got that connection because, you know, when it's a personal thing, it's, it's, it's such a hard thing to request help about in your own life. You know, when you've trained and deployed and grown as a person and feel like we always got to undertake all these tasks on our own. And yet when we're the one in the support role, we'd love being called. Like I know that there's nothing Mike would love more than going in and help out guys in contact and so on. And there's something about making it okay to talk by being the first one to initiate one of these hard conversations. I love what you said, Mel, and how you compared it to being in contact and calling for help as fire support or like whatever, because the mission is you know, clear the village, things, get this guy, that's the mission. But if you look at it a different way, the way, the way I kind of look at it now, man, is there's military life and like the mission and objective. And then exactly what you said for, for the rest is life. The objective is life. And you need to call in fire support, which is the help you need, whether it's, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a buddy, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's family. You know, call them in, man. Hey, I'm in a tight spot. Make the phone call and just be, hey, I know we're in this mission, man, which is like, hey, I, I want to have a good, happy life and successful and family and everything else. Make the call and look at it that way. I love that. Because I've got some regrets with the mate that I lost. And he was very similar to how... Um, Casey's describing his body, just like super thick skin and a freaking party animal and great fun. And he was always heavy with a banter, like heavy, just going early. And, you know, he'd be freaking super inappropriate, super inappropriate. And you'd be just, you're just like, that's the sign of a guy for me who's got a really robust sense of self. Everything's fine. He wouldn't be giving me shit in the level that he was about super personal stuff if he had any issues, you know, and I just sort of let that all, all go. And I was so shocked when I heard because I equated that strong exterior and, and I, I had never then taken that step that we're talking about. I had never been the one to share where I'd been having hard times. And so he probably saw me as a person who never had him. And this is, this is a, a big, strong, guy you know who crushed sort of everything physically in his life and he was having massive hard times on the inside that no one knew about and he'd sort of 
put himself in a position where that was that facade was really important to maintain. And and me as one of his really close mates, I had never taken that step of talking about any of my hard times, any of my weaknesses. And he's a dude who was stronger than I was, heavier in the banter and very successful. And, you know, maybe if I had been the one initiating and letting him know that I've had totally shit times and I have weaknesses and failures and stuff that that would have then been, that would have been the lifeline that he would have known he had with me. Ralph. I think it's really important now for the listeners to understand, and I hope they're they're gleaning what I've just gleaned from listening to all our stories from Casey, Mike, you, Mellon, everybody, everybody on this earth. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett. I don't care if you're you, whoever you are, whatever, you know, positive motivator, you know, uh, uh, guy, personality you might be. Everyone can succumb to, you know, life as I like to call it, you know, the white noise, the chaos, you know, loss of life, that sort of stuff. And so I think that because I keep hearing this recurrent theme where we, you know, that this dude was super, he was funny, he was the life of the party, he was this, he was that. And there's nothing wrong with being those people, but you're still human, you're still you're still going to get exposed to life, and you're still going to have your setbacks, you're still going to dude, it's still going to chop you at the knees, and it's still going to bring you down. So I think if you're listening, I think everybody should understand that everyone can succumb to these things, right? Everybody. So if your buddy or the person you're, whoever it is that you might be concerned for, yeah, they might be the life of the party. They might be super pumped all the time. They're the cheerleaders of the group, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that they're not going through stuff, but that's where you have to create the environment, create the space to ask those tough questions that make yourself vulnerable so that they can, you know, if you change your physiology, trust me, they're going to change theirs. And it's, it's going to be reciprocated. And that's what we need. That's the space that we need to create. And that's where we have those tough dialogues. And all you're going to do is sure, you'll feel a little weird and be like, man, I've just divulged more than I've ever wanted to. But trust me, you just, you just resurface, you just harden that connection, that bridge and that friendship, because now it's real. It's not superficial. We're not friends because we took 100 shots. We're friends because I know more about you than I did 10 minutes ago, and vice versa. But yeah, make a mistake. If you're a listener, everyone can succumb to this. I don't care how successful. I don't care how much, how many zeros are you sitting in your bank account. I don't care how perfect and manicured and you know perfect your family looks. Everybody will succumb to this or can succumb to this. And I think that's important to you know, when we walk away from this. Understand that. You know something you you said before. Um, I think it was in the healthy masculinity episode where we talked about laughing versus crying you know if you if you can't cry you laugh you know and how that translates into like who you're around and what's appropriate at the time of like i don't want to be weak so i'm just going to laugh when this is actually really bad you know i think that's very common in the military you know that example was being in the service and seeing you know that guy that was picked up that was blown to pieces by the apache and people were making jokes and it's like this is really bad but yeah ha 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 you just kind of laugh um, but perfect example is Robin Williams. He was one of the best comedians in the world and always laughing and joking and everything. And then look what happened to him, man. He was covering it all. He was using fake smiles and laughter over his pain. And nobody, nobody thought that, 
you know, so maybe that's, maybe that's something to look at, except somebody that's always, always, always perfect and happy. Maybe that's a sign of being like, Hey, I know you're really happy, but maybe, uh, is there anything else on the other layer going on and just double check as a, as a buddy, as a friend, you know, family. That's, that's interesting. Another one that I've, um, I know I mentioned before we just started here is that a lot of the research in this area shows that these, these really low points are passing experiences. And then when people do get the help that often there's a normal life on the other side of it. Like there's a lot of survivors who are able to share and go on to have the remainder of their life. You know, they got, they either got the help that they needed in that time. You know, that mission, they're in that part of the mission where the resources they had was not sufficient to the task that they were given. And they were the ones who picked up the phone, picked up the radio cord in that fire support for that period and either had friends or specialists that they accessed and were able to get through that period and deal with it and <clears throat> learn coping skills or in some cases is medication that assists, you know, there's physical changes happening in the body that they, you get a chemical imbalance can occur. And it's a lot of the time I listen to Jordan Peterson as a psychologist talk about it. And he, he refers to the combat experience of people seeing themselves undertake things that are totally not okay in normal society. And they've, they've done things and then you're back in normal society and you can't integrate who you had to be in that combat situation with who you are normally in normal life. And that that is a really common root for uh, like the root cause of a lot of the PTSD we see. And, but the good news is a lot of that can get integrated with the right treatment, you know, and I know we're all probably thinking about mates we wish had made a call and had to receive some treatment. Uh, and like, <clears throat> just changing the guys you're hanging out with right there's sean and i were on the same path when we got out we both love to drink we both love to have fun thankfully my wife kicked my ass and said change it or i'm gone easy choice right and then surrounding the people <laughs> we're going round and round about the guys but right surrounding yourself with the people that are going to help you improve your life and that you can have the hard conversations right i had no issue texting or uh, uh messaging raf the morning that it happened right and what does raf do picks up the freaking phone all you guys sent a message like and struggling through it now for us that are left here is even it's freaking harder that we got to pick up the pieces we got to now be an uncle role to his son that he left right and life life's hard no matter what and then you throw the military into it and it makes it harder and succumbing to the ptsd succumbing to all that kind of stuff can be handled <clears throat> without taking your own life it's gonna it's gonna be painful I was in those shoes and it sucked, but now I am so much better off by buckling the bootstraps and getting through it. Like, mm. Well, I just want to say, Casey, like if you were in those shoes at one point, man, I, 
I know that I know I'm I'm proud to have you as a new as a new friend this past year, and I'm glad that you're here, brother. And uh, you know, just getting to know you and your family, and you know, and and being available and talking about this stuff, man, is very special. And uh, you know, you, you are a brother to me now with the conversations we've had, and, and in service and in life. And uh, I know Raph and Mel and definitely feel the same way. I mean, you know, it's, I, I'm glad you're here, Brandon, you know, and I wish more people out there would tell each other they love each other more. And when I talk to Raph and Mel and I, I always end the phone call with, hey, I love you because I do and I mean it, you know. There's, there's a point there, though, that, that Casey's bringing up, right? And it's um, in that moment, it can really feel like there's a, there's a solution on offer. And removing yourself from the situation, like Raf had the statement earlier, you know, that we're, we exist in a matrix, like the spider web, you know, and that, that you can't remove yourself without there being a ripple effect. Mm. And clearly um, among, among the mates and peers, that's a really profound impact. But family are going to be carrying that and dealing with that for a very, very long time. I don't, I don't think it'll ever be, it might be integrated at some stage, but I don't think it's ever going to be something that goes away. And the people who are able to get that help, re reach out and get that combat support and get through that period, don't, don't end up having that suffering passed on to family members. And I, like, I think that that's a, an important thing to, th to think about. Like if you're thinking about that that pride or that desire to be the alpha getting in the way, like wanting to maintain that, that really tough exterior facade. If you really need a reason, you know, trying to keep, keep in mind that ripple effect and, you know, perhaps, perhaps you, you're not able to ask for help for yourself, but you might be able to do it for your family and friends. I think what's also important for listeners to understand is that um, if if you can feel misery and pain, then you can also feel happiness and joy, right? So your entire life hasn't always been misery, right? If you look back and you think down the timeline, I imagine that most of your life has been good. So just acknowledge that. Just know that what Melon said is it's fleeting, it's passing. It's yes, it's painful, but you know, if you if you change your perspective, there's just these little habits that you can do where you change your perspective, where you maybe focus on something to 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 create a way out of that void that you're in. Um, it it will pass. And I think it's important for everyone to remember that because we've all been there. We've all been we've all been stuck in life where you just feel like I can't get out of this. But you're lying to yourself. You can't get out of it. You absolutely can't get out of it. Now, I'm not saying divorce is the way. If that was uh, a big uh, part of, uh, you know, your friend's problem, but and I'm not advocating for it. But maybe a separation from something that's giving him, you know, putting him in that space. Then, hey, listen, I I need I need a moment. I need to think. I need to just wrap my, you know, I need to go sit down. I need to meditate about this as crazy as it sounds, we'll come back, we'll talk like adults, we'll find the best way forward. I'm just, I just want people to understand that you don't have to be stuck, right? This life is, it's beautiful. It's, 
it's also very dangerous. <laughs> it's also very, it can be very ugly, but we have the power to change the direction. We have the power to even reframe the reference that we're in, right? Um, and it, just regarding all this, I, I just, I always think about this book. It's called Defiant. It's about these POWs in Vietnam. And they, I mean, these guys have lived through the worst of humanity. And they are some of the most positive individuals that went on to live some of the most flourishing lives, lives as individuals. I mean, some of them became politicians, finished their careers in the military. Sure, they had marriage problems and I'm sure they had drinking problems, but they didn't succumb to that, right? They kept fighting forward. They kept re-referencing and they kept just looking for the positive. I'm just, I'm just throwing that story out there because if you can imagine captivity for five plus years, I don't think there's a worse nightmare. And, and these individuals, you know, you don't have to be extraordinary. I mean, these are just normal people that just went through extraordinary circumstance, circumstances. And I, and I think that's important to highlight. I think there's also um, a real piece of uh, wisdom that Casey shared earlier that you can, you can shift that immediate environment in terms of the people that you are around you. And we all know people who are more positive and less positive. And we've got mates who bring out perhaps, you know, a worse side and, but there, there, are, there are people you can put into your life with a bit of intention who have your best interests at heart. You know, and like I know that there's a common thread in a lot of this with some substance abuse, often alcohol, you know, among military guys. And uh, yeah, you know, I just, like I know that that was a, a, a thing from my mate. And uh we are different around different people, you know, like I know I'm different around you three guys now than, than I'm around other friends. And it sort of brings out a different aspect. There's a positivity I know that I have when I, I talk to you guys. And then there are other people that can bring out those other sides. And so sort of feeling stuck, like I think there's some real wisdom in what Casey's saying that it could just be the people you're spending all, all, all your time with that you can, you can make some major changes that are short of the ultimate change. You know, like Raf saying there, maybe the marriage is, it, you know, it's, it might have just run its course, you know, it might have been something that was appropriate for a certain chapter in your life and you're able to then turn the chapter and move on and have that in your rear vision mirror and, and, and not have that cluttering up your future. You might be healthier. There might be a better relationship for both of you in the future. The same thing with your circle of people you're hanging out with. You know, we all know people who are positive. We all know people who care for us. And it's, it's trying to get those people back in your life. I think that is certainly part of a pathway back. So a quick question that I have kind of for everybody, anybody can answer really, but, you know, listening to this and going in as a leader myself, like I am, I've already had to deal with in the past year, a couple of talks of suicide. And as, as, a, as a man, as, as a leader, um, you know, we're all leaders. Casey, you, you run your own company, Raph, Mellon, like you guys are all leaders in your own right. Like what is something that we can do as men, as leaders, as friends, as whatever, what can we do to change this at least some way? Because I believe personally, this, this is a pandemic. 
Um, I'd even throw it up there. This is even worse pandemic than COVID because it's lasted and been going on for decades, uh, not a year, but that's just my opinion. I think a big part of it, Mike, is uh, being willing to expose yourself as vulnerable. If you're in the leadership position, you know, you're going to, people are going to emulate that. And if the boss or the person more senior or the, just a slightly older person or the person in the leadership position is able to expose themselves and show that there's strength through vulnerability, I think that that is a real pathway for people. Yeah. I know I tried to do it. I, I stood up in front of the office in front of a whole, a whole room of my guys, about 25 of them. And I, I, I stood up and told them how uh, I broke and how I went and saw help. And if anybody wanted to talk, they could talk to me in my office or I would give them the number to the counselor myself or literally go with them to counseling and go and guide them and go with them as be part of it because that's what you should do as a, as a person, as a man, as a leader, if you really care. So I, I, I practice that. I appreciate that, Melon. That you're right. That that's a big one for me is is sharing my story, right? It's it's a freaking victory. So I have, thankfully, I have no shame in showing where I came from and how I beat it and how I got better, and now what it's like on the other side of it, right? And uh, pushing the resources in literally any vet that I talk to. Um, I tell them about, uh, a mighty Oaks program. I tell them about a certain church program. I, I push anything to bring back that camaraderie we had when we were active. Cause then you can get that brotherhood going. You can, you can push the, the real talks, uh, and a lot of times face to face in a safe environment. Yeah. There's some really good ones just there. So just. Like I'm just going to recap what those were, right? So leaders demonstrating vulnerability, sharing your own story, and then Casey's point there about sharing the resources that worked. Like that, that is absolutely gold there, Casey. Because you know, people who've heard the episode with you will know that you had hard times too, man. Like I don't think anyone gets through this with just only freaking upbeat part of the story. I think we all we all have low times. Would you say, Casey, that, um, and you know, this is a personal question. Would you say that the substance abuse was a, was a, a part of this loss? Would you say that there was perhaps if that had been addressed, that that might've been something that, you know, yeah. lowered the I, I, You know, unfortunately, um, unfortunately it was just a matter of time. Um, if you would have, got his head around it, his hands on it and controlled it. He would still be here for many years, many years to come. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and not just, not just alcohol either. Right. Like it, it's so easy nowadays to get a prescription for whatever. So I, yeah. Well, like, I, like I, I really think that that is a part of it and that there's, it's, it's, there's substances available in every society and um, there's ways to get them and they're going to have a certain percentage of people are going to have a hard time with them in all cases. And I think, I think, you know, it's a bit of a, I thought maybe my mate was sort of slightly different here, but it sounds like a similar 
story in some ways that the guy who is like really the life of the party and, and a, like a strong dude was the one. And perhaps if, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily have described it as, a, as an issue, but then when I spoke with other friends, they were like, no, 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 that wasn't always when he hit his lows, it was always around that. So like maybe that's a large part for people, you know, and like I've, I've ne- that's not my, the best, that's not the best melon when I, when I've been drinking a lot, that's for sure. Like being clear headed and feeling like you're able to face the days different. It's a different uh, state to be inside of. Right. I mean, look at it. So it's been two week and a half or so. Uh, what was it? Two Thursdays ago. And my wife, my family would not doubt me, would not look at me different if I cracked open a beer because I need to. And mentally, I've just put it in my head that I'm not going to do it because I know as soon as I crack that first one right now with the state of mind that I'm in, it's going to go down a dark, dark road. So that personal like will to not just dive into it, it's hard, right? I mean, just today, it's like, dude, I could really use freaking can of beer or whatever it might be and not doing it because I know the effects that it's going to have on right now and tomorrow when I wake up and the wife is like what the, did you just do last night yeah good for you man that's a really that's a really there's a message right there in just recognizing your own state and that sometimes you know one's too many and a thousand's not enough like we know that line like I know that line and just recognizing that there's there's a, an uplifting, positive social experience. And then there's where it's not that. So, you know, if, the, if there's, has anyone got any other gold that they want to throw out any other bombs? Cause I thought we're probably in a really good um, space here to sort of wind up and, and recap and, you know, full, full disclaimer, none of us are health professionals and we're going to try and put some resources out there for, uh, you know, everyone to listen to or to put, to get in contact with the, probably the, the key points are, you know, I think leading by example, Raf had a really good one there about being willing to be vulnerable to your mates and making that initial uh, statement about hard times and sharing them. Then there's a lifeline with those people that I don't, I don't think will ever go away. So put yourself in a vulnerable state, especially if in a leadership role, share your own story and sharing the resources that worked, perhaps looking at what can be changed in the environment in terms of people and time. Like the people around you, we all know that there are more and less positive and more and less negative. And that there's, that there's all of us are going to reach a point in a firefight when we need support. And we know that we would want to be the one that receives that radio call and comes in in the chopper or comes in, in the on foot to provide that support for our friends. And there's an opportunity for us to put our friends in that position of being the one who was there. So, you know, it's a freaking tough topic guys. And like, I, I, I really hope that this has been something that people can hear and that they can uh, take a message from and that there's, there's happiness and good times and family and connection on the other side of this. 
you know, and there's other people out there who've gone through these periods of the firefight and uh, have, have come back and are able to share and help out others. So I really hope that there's something in this for you guys out there. Um, please reach out uh, into your networks and initiate those conversations around vulnerability. If you wanted to get in touch with any of us, it's not your average Mike 77, not your average Raph and not your average Paul at gmail.com and we'll forward messages on to Casey. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a good time to check in with your own network, you know, put some lines out there and just let people see another side of yourself, a vulnerable side. So hopefully there's something in this for you guys out there. And, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a moving conversation for me with a little reflection, but there's positivity in it too. So from all of us to all of you, stay focused, stay safe and stay in touch. Mm-hmm.